The Liberals are trying to put some fine details to their latest gun confiscation program. What does that mean for Canadian gun owners? We ask the National Firearms Association today. I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed and you're watching The Gun Show. We're going to be upfront with Canadians about how we're going to cost this program. Um, it is a program that does not have precedent. It is a program that is national in scale. And it is a program that will require a good faith partnerships within industry, which is why we reached out to the CSAAA, but as well with law enforcement and with gun owners themselves. And we're going to do this work in good faith with all of those folks. Can you, can you ballpark a figure, though, at this point? Well, the budget, uh, which was just introduced a few weeks back, uh, does allocate about uh, just shy of $30 million or $29 million uh, to uh, create a platform, which we're going to use in conjunction with the CSAAA. Uh, but then we're going to roll out the next phases of this program, uh, which will put more of a focus on individual owners. So right now, our primary focus is to work with industry and vendors and small businesses uh, in the uh, gun industry, and this agreement is a, a significant milestone on that front. Well, that is Canada's Public Safety Minister Marco Mendicino announcing some details for his gun buyback program, which is not a gun buyback program at all. It's a gun confiscation program. He cannot buy from me or buy back from me that which was never his to begin with. This all comes from the May 2020 order in council by the Liberals, which banned at the time 1,500 popular models of Canadian firearms. That list has now grown to 2,000 models. And the Liberals say that it's going to cost upwards of $30 million to confiscate the lawfully acquired, lawfully owned property from millions of Canadians made criminals through no fault of their own. Now, in the wake of that announcement, controversy exploded in the Canadian firearms community as an industry lobby group admitted that they would be participating in gathering up data for the Liberals to execute their gun confiscation program. It is wild. And joining me today is Rick Igersich of the National Firearms Association to help us navigate through this crazy, crazy past week in the Canadian firearms community. there It's just, it's a lot. And I'm glad to have Rick on the show. Take a listen. So joining me now is good friend of the show and good friend of Rebel News, Rick Igersich of the National Firearms Association. Rick, thanks for coming on the show. Um, so the Liberals have just announced uh, the details, but not really, of their gun buyback program, which is, as we were saying off air, a complete misnomer because they were never the Liberals' guns to buy back. But here we are. Um, so tell us what's going on there. What did the Liberals just announce? Put it in layman's terms, because... I'm not actually sure the Liberals know what they just announced. Oh, yeah, thanks for having <laughs> me on your show again, Sheila. And I'm sure the Liberals, uh, you know, they're uh, it's it's classic Liberal talk. But basically, uh, there's been a lot of stuff that's happened over the last few days. Uh, starting on April 26th, uh, Public Safety Minister Marco Mendocino made a statement that he's 
partnering with uh, with uh, the CSA, which is the Canadian Sporting Arms and Ammunition Manufacturers Association. And uh, basically, it has come to light that he has signed a contract with them for $707,000. I think that was the latest. I think that's the, the factual number. There's been some numbers thrown around 727, 700,000, but I believe the actual number is $707,000 uh, for this uh, buyback program in relation to the dealers. Now, the CSAAA uh, is uh, is the Canadian industry group that, uh, that, uh, represents a few gun shops across Canada, definitely not all of them. And uh, they made this deal unbeknownst to us. And from what I've heard, even some of their board members uh, with the government that's been this, they've been in talks for a year and a half about what they're going to do and how they're going to do this. I received a phone call about 12 hours before this happened from the president of the CSAAA stating that there's going to be a big announcement the next day involving the government and the CSAAA. So I, I, uh, I really didn't get into the details of it and he really didn't want to. So I waited, to, I waited till the next morning and uh, Minister Mendocino made the announcement that they are partnering with them. And uh, they're the, by doing that, it, uh, a gun organization is basically on the sides on the side of the liberals with these firearm seizures. And what they're going to do is uh, the way I understand it is the CSAAA is going to go and contact every gun shop in Canada to see what sort of inventory they have in firearms and parts for those firearms. And they're going to provide that list to the government for, uh, for the government to use on this so-called buyback program, which I believe is Probably if there's going to be any buyback at all, it's going to be cents on the dollar. Plus, it's basically what it's all doing is identifying all these firearms and parts that are in the hands of the dealers, which uh, which which really brings into play a bunch of different issues. The first issue is that there's a fe there's federal court case going on that we were a part of. We were financed the Cassie Premack. Uh, federal mm -hmm. court case against uh, against the government. And along with, uh, we were grouped in with a bunch of other other groups. And some of these, these some of these other uh, uh, people that were involved in this, uh, in this uh, court action are actually firearm shops owners. So this kind of nullifies their court case, in my opinion, when the government is finding out what they have and offering money for him. And meanwhile, there's an active court case, which is now in the judge's hands in deliberation, uh, I, I believe is, is, is nullifying some of these cases. Uh, and then secondly, I believe that by, the, by, the, by these people cooperating with the liberals, this is just going to fast track the actual gun seizures. As far as I know, the government has nothing in place as far as the gun seizures go, there's there's no uh, announcement of money. There's no there's no uh, plan on how they're going to do this. But uh, in my opinion, this really really fast tracks uh, uh, fast tracks the liberals' uh, seizure uh, seizure plans because now they're claiming that uh, the the gun industry and the and the firearms owners are cooperating with them, which is which is a falsehood. Uh, this organization is cooperating, but firearms, I can assure you, firearms owners across Canada are not cooperating with the Liberals on this deal. 
So at the end of the day, Canada's National Firearms Association has cut all ties with uh, uh, the CSSA. Uh, we will be more than happy to uh, uh, reunite and rejoin them if they if they uh, go back on this deal and cancel the co contract and cancel the seven hundred seven thousand dollars with the government. We would be more than happy to work with them, and you know, so we can all follow the same direction as uh, as the as far as these firearms uh, seizures go. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of the gun rights organizations were completely caught flat-footed by what the CSAAA has done. And, you know, not, not to confuse them with the CSSA, but it sounds like yep. the CCFR, um, the NFA, and the CSSA, the Canadian Shooting Sports Association, were all sort of blindsided by discovering that this industry lobby group that's supposed to lobby on behalf of the industry, serve as a counterbalance against what the government is trying to do, that they, for lack of a better term, lent their credibility to the government so that the government can say, look, we've got the gun people on board with our buyout. That's what it looks like to me. Wow. The, the, uh, definitely the, the lobby groups uh, weren't aware of what was going on. They were aware of something, that there was something going on like I say, I didn't get notified till 12 hours before. I don't know when the other groups were notified, but their board wasn't aware of uh, what was going on either. I spoke to one of their board members and they had no idea about this $707,000 or this contract. They knew the board knew that the, this is, this is, uh, this is the information the board member gave me the board, their board members knew that, uh, that uh, there was something going on, but they had no idea of what the particulars were, especially a contractor, especially this uh, this influx in, influx of uh, seven hundred seven hundred some thousand dollars. You know, it it hit the gun rights community like a lead balloon. Everybody was sort of just shocked because it came on the heels of the liberals announcing that I, I think it's roughly thirty million dollars that they are. Um, considering spending on the gun buyback, or at least that's what they're announcing it's going to cost. I don't know if it's going to cost that much this year um, because it doesn't seem like they budgeted for it in the budget. Um, but that is what they anticipate the cost will be, which is absolute idiocy because they have no idea how many of the guns on the ban list are out there, where they are, um, how many of them came into the country after the gun registry. Uh, they have no idea how many of them weren't registered ever to begin with. So they can't even get a best estimate, but they know exactly how much it's going to cost. I always go back to the SKS because it's cheap. It's, you know, it's yeah. a lot of well, it's an entry level gun and there's a lot of them out there. Yeah. And and the liberals don't know how many of them are out there, but they know how much it's going to cost to round them all up. Well, there's some stuff that's come to light on the SKS uh, as of yesterday. But anyway, just uh, uh, like you mentioned, uh, the liberals don't know how many guns are out there and how much money they have to spend. Well, you know, with this program, this contract with uh, this uh, partner, I guess what Mendocino Partner. called it, uh, this partners partnership, uh, they're going to they're going to get a, a pretty comprehensive list, at least at what's at the gun shops. And uh, I don't know if the gun shops are going to provide. I hope they don't yeah, uh, provide too. a list of some of the firearms they sold and where they went. Uh, you know, the you know, by law, I don't think I don't, I don't think that information. Uh, the government is entitled to that information. You know, and that could change because laws are changing every day. But like I say, uh, you know, this this 
Hey, this this basically uh, turned the firearms uh, rights uh, upside down in the last few days. I, I you know, I, like you said, it it was like being hit with a lead balloon. It, it turned every, it, it just blindsided us. Yeah, it's terrible. It, it It is terrible. And if I were a gun retailer and I'm not, but if I were, I would say, make me turn this information over exactly not getting it until such time as you're going to make me turn it over Um, exactly and that's a just just to add to that and that's a bunch of phone calls i've been getting the last few days from gun retailers that we're not interested in this we're not going to be involved in this and we're going to hold out to the end because like i say there is active court cases going right now that are in deliberation a bad time to make this well this move shouldn't have ever been made but it was really really a bad time to make it no, you just hinted on something with the SKS. Why don't you give us a little bit of details on that? Okay, I'll have to. Re- I've got so much stuff here. I'm going to have to refer to my notes. But That's okay. uh, uh, yeah, uh, yesterday, uh, Marco uh, Mendocino announced that uh, there will be amendments to Bill C21 again uh, to prohibit more legally and commonly owned firearms. Uh, and they're going to add a definition to an assault style firearm. Uh, Couple things. Uh, first of all, there's going to be a firearms advisory committee uh, created to uh, help to de- to determine the classification of these firearms. Now he mentioned uh, all the groups that were going to be involved in this advisory committee, and he mentioned you know uh, uh, government bureaucrats, uh, politicians, uh, and a bunch of anti firearms groups, but he didn't mention any. Uh, Pro firearms groups, which I found a little amazing. Uh, so did they're going to create this. Did uh, you? Were you? Yeah, well, not you really. Not you know why? I'm just, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So uh, anyway, I, to add to that, so Mendocino wants the manufacturers. You know, actually, wants to give the manufacturers a set of guidelines on what firearms to produce for Canada, uh, falling into these new uh, these new uh, classifications. I I guess is the right word for it. Uh, yeah, the, the ordering council came up now it's up to 2000 firearms. Uh, it started as everybody knows, it started at uh, 1500. It's a, he admitted uh, yesterday that there's 2000 firearms listed in the ordering council. Uh, what he said was that, uh, that the list is, uh, with, with their studies and stuff, they've, they've added a bunch of firearms to the list. And now you brought up the SKS, which is really funny because. He made the statement yesterday that he said he said that the SKS they're not going to ban the SKS now after speaking to uh, after speaking this is a good one too after speaking to uh, hunters sports shooters indigenous groups and everybody else across the country they're gonna the, they're gonna leave the SKS out of out of the off the list which I found really shocking because at the end of the day. The SKS is probably the only firearm in, uh, it, that's available in Canada. Well, one of the one of the modern ones that were that was actually built for uh, a, as a, as war. a military firearm. <laughs> yeah, it was literally <laughs> built for war. Um, yeah, but it, it's interesting that um, the Liberals said this thing was an assault assault style firearm. Like what? 72 hours ago and and then all of a sudden they've just changed their mind it has magically changed into something else after discussions which means that they really don't know what the hell they're doing well actually you know what and the thing is uh you know i I get into this a little uh, uh, his statement yesterday 
he didn't talking about C21, he didn't use the term handgun freeze. He was saying a handgun ban now. So I don't know what direction that's going in, but uh, I'm sure uh, Mendocino is very uh, well versed in, in uh, how he, how he puts the, the the message out. And I think that was a, that was a message. Uh, And he made the statement that uh, the liberals are moving in the direction of what most Canadians want yeah. and blame the conservatives for creating a national crisis over their last uh, attempt to uh, get rid of the et- amendments. So he's, uh, he's definitely uh, playing politics with this one. There's no doubt about that. And getting into, getting into my next thing is uh, the term, uh, the liberals are actually, and I mentioned this earlier, are putting a definition. They're making up a definition for an assault-style firearm to be, get this, enshrined in the criminal code. So it's going to make these uh, new, make it extremely difficult for future governments to reverse and revise their firearms definition and legislation. That's a direct quote from Mendocino. But going back to the, the definition, so a firearm that is not a handgun that discharges centerfire ammunition is a semi in a semi-automatic manner and designed with a detachable magazine with a capacity of six or more cartridges. So that puts a whole bunch of new firearms on the list because there's a lot of semi-automatic firearms out there that could take eight or ten shot magazines. Uh, that was, that was, uh, that was his, uh, statement. Now they did release, they did release a, a government, uh, a government paper on that with, re- it's, it's very vague and there's no real good definitions in them, but that's the direction we're going. And, uh, like I say, this stuff has all happened within the last four days. It just, it, it it's unbelievable, Sheila. Yeah. That captures so many hunting rifles and sports shooting firearms in this country. I, I I wish people who were not firearms owners were more keenly uh, attuned to this because this is the government just deciding one day that your lawfully acquired property, they don't like it, so you can't have it. And they get to talk to your political enemies about whether or not you get to keep it. And you just have to sit there and take it. And then once it's banned, they'll pay you a pittance, as you say, pennies on the dollar to confiscate it from you. Um, thankfully, we've got places like Alberta where we have our own CFO saying the hell you will. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah. uh, you know, I, yeah. I feel good about living in Alberta. Um, although we are approaching, uh, an election. It's election season here in Alberta. I think Danielle Smith will do fine. Not as good as she should, but fine. Yeah. But, um, you know, I really feel for the people of Ontario and Quebec where they they don't have a provincial government that is standing up for the rights of lawful gun owners. And, you know, we've been lobbying Doug Ford in Ontario, too, because if he were, if he were to jump on board with this, you know, this was basically uh, squash this whole thing. It, it, he just... Uh, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of federal money coming into Ontario right now. And I think that's part of the problem. I was in uh, Calgary a couple of weeks ago at the Calgary gun show. Mm-hmm. And I, I had a really good conversation with Terry Bryant, the Alberta CFO. And, uh, you know, she is, uh, she is one of our soldiers on the front lines too. You know, I just hope, you know. I just hope the government does not change in Alberta because 
that is going to do a lot of damage to uh, what uh, uh, what Terry Bryan has done and has accomplished. I just I just hope that uh, that that uh, you know it goes in our that it goes our way. Yeah, you know, and it it, it may seem like just an Alberta issue, but Alberta really seems to be leading the way. They're sticking their neck out first and saying, "Okay, well, this is what we're going to do," and then the dominoes fall in Saskatchewan and then in other provinces and territories. They seem to be the ones who are willing to say, okay, well, we're going to do this first. This is how we're going to do it. If you want to come along, that's fine. So if the the government does change in Alberta, pray for us that it doesn't, um, you know, it it will affect gun rights across the entire country because they really seem to be leading the charge, fighting back against this at a provincial level. Yeah. And and the fact that uh, that uh, people that are involved in the firearms industry are uh, uh, jumping on board with the liberals doesn't make things uh, any better. Actually, makes it makes my job a lot harder. You know, I just I I had some really good ties with CSAAA and I, you know, I regret I regret cutting our ties. But, you know, I have to I have to represent firearms owners across Canada. I can't. I can't be connected to uh, an organization that works with the government, uh, you know, moving forward to uh, these firearms camp- confiscations. Uh, liberals were liberals were for a buyback as a confiscation or a, uh, for a confiscation as a buyback. But I, I, I will not. Uh, our organization will not be any, uh, involved with that. We don't want any part of that. Yeah, it, it really is a shame because one of the key points of all the gun rights organizations and all the lobby groups is that. We don't want to give our data to the government because giving the data to the government always leads to confiscation. And then you have this industry lobby group that is taking a contract to round up the data um, yeah. and then give it to the liberals. And it, yeah, you, you know, know, it was just shocking I, 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 to see. It, well, you know, I spoke I spoke to them and uh, and I said, you know, why are you doing this? Well, you know, their their reply was that. We're helping the poor ma and pa gun shop owners across Canada with this uh, with this payout. So I said, is any of this uh, seven hundred and seven thousand dollars going towards the towards the ma and pa gun shops? Oh, absolutely not. That just that just to cover our uh, cover the logistics of uh, of doing this survey. I go, oh, I said, so uh, I, I I travel across Canada and I go to a lot of gun shops, Sheila, and the smaller gun shops maybe have one or two of these rifles. That have already been washed through their uh, through their books three years ago. Uh, they the they did not have any reply when I said, "What about the future guns that uh, that are illegal now that these people could possibly selling be selling down the road and making money on and making their profits and making their businesses prosper? What about that?" And there was no no reply to that end of it. There was just. Uh, well, we're helping them out right now because they're in trouble, which uh, I don't believe is the fact. I believe there is some bigger gun shops in the country that ha- they that do have some of this stock. But at the end of the day, uh, I, I don't believe that this is going to make or break them. I believe the fact that they're banning all these firearms in Canada is going to be the deal breaker for these gun shops because it's firearms people want and they can't sell anymore. And that, you know, and that. And that when you cut stock, you cut profits, and, and at the end of the day, that's when that's when businesses go down. Not because of some uh, uh, dormant or stale stock that they have in, in their in their stock rooms right now. Well, stranded assets is a real thing, but especially yeah. here in Alberta, we we get oil and gas <laughs> stranded assets all the time, thanks to the government. Yeah. Um, but you know what's worse is that the list of stranded assets continues to grow in this case by 25%. And it will continue to grow as long as you have um, 
uh, for lack of a better term, yellow organizations like this organization selling up yeah. their membership. You know what? Yeah. How you help these mom and pop shops who don't have the resources to fight. You help them fight. That's what you do. That's why we we initially started Fight the Fines, um, which we handed off to the Democracy Fund. When people were getting pandemic fines, we weren't going to pay their fines, but we would do whatever it took to fight like hell on their behalf. Exactly. Spend, spending an enormous amount of money to fight an $800 fine. But it was the point is that you never capitulate to the government because the government will always take more. And um, I don't know if you listen to SiriusXM Andrew Wilkow, but he always says on the Patriot Channel, but he always says, when the government is handing you something with an open hand, the other hand is always a fist. And that's exactly. what's happening here. Um, so, you know, if the CSAAA thinks that they are going to somehow get ahead yeah. by um, appeasing the crocodile, the crocodile will eat you. He just might eat you last, but he will get around to eating you. And that's what's going to happen here. Yeah, you know, and and I'll I'll say again, there's a way around this. You know, they could uh, they could uh, cancel this contract and give the money back, and uh, we will be more than ha happy to uh, join up with them again and and help them uh, fight fight for gun rights and property rights in Canada. You know, that's that that it's a very simple solution. I don't know if it's going to happen or not, but uh, the direction we're moving in right now is not doing the firearms lobby or firearms owners across Canada any good at all. Yeah, this is exactly what the Liberals want. I would love to hear that the CSAAA canceled this contract, listened to the feedback from the gun community and said, whoa, we made a big mistake. Um, yeah. We're not going to do this and we're going to get back into the fight uh, because this list of banned firearms just keeps growing and it's never going to stop. If they said that, I'd be their biggest fan. There's nothing. And so would I. I would. I would be. I would. Be, yeah. I would be at their door in, in a few hours and say, hey, let's let's uh, let's join again and let's fight this fight. But uh you know, I hope that's what happens. Like I say, it was regrettable that we had to cut our ties, but uh, we had to. It just we could we can't be associated with uh, with an organization like that that works uh, that's working against uh, what we believe in. Yeah, you know, I will say something about conservatives, or at least people on the right side of the political spectrum. We do believe in redemption. If you screw up and you're sincere about it, and you change your ways. Um, we're your biggest fans. Uh, Absolutely. But, yeah. but I'm not seeing that quite yet. So if the CSAAA is listening, this is from me directly to you. Reverse this. Um, get back in the in the fight um, because the liberals are only going to use this to further divide the gun uh, community. And they are going to use this as justification to do more. So please. Cancel this contract and come back to your sanity. I agree. Now, Rick, you yeah. folks at the NFA, you have your AGM fast approaching. If I can get there, I will. I'm not sure if I can with my travel schedule. I've got other things to work on. But um, tell us about the AGM. Um, that's coming up very, very quick for you guys. Yeah, it's uh, actually this weekend in Montreal. Uh, the Saturday's the 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 day for the public. We're there a few days earlier uh, having meetings. It's gonna be a it's gonna be a good AGM. It's in Quebec and. Uh, uh, I've noticed the trend in Quebec over the last uh, few months. A lot of Quebecers have been jumping on board with the NFA. Uh, we've got uh, Guy Moran speaking, which is he's a well-known, well-known person in Quebec. He's a pro rights, pro firearms guy. He's speaking. Uh, we're gonna ha we're gonna have a few other speakers. We're gonna have some of our people uh, uh, talking about what's going on in the firearms world. Uh, you know, we're gonna be uh, we're gonna be uh, giving some firearms away. It's gonna be it's gonna be a good day. Uh, you know, if uh, and uh, 
the NFA realized that times are tough for a lot of Canadians right now. So we waived mm-hmm. our, uh, we waived our admittance. So as long as you pre-register by uh, email, you're welcome to attend and we will accommodate you. Uh, it, it, it's filling up, it's filling up quick. I think it's almost, it, it's getting really full right now, but uh, you, know, you know, the NFA understands what's going out, uh, on out there. You know, we realize that uh, we realize that uh, it, the last few years have been tough for a lot of Canadians and uh especially firearms owners, you know, with all this stuff going on, the liberals are, you know, they're, they're stepping on the gas with, uh, with all their legislation and, you know, they should be focusing on something else besides us, but we, you know, we're their go-to every time, but uh, yeah. So if you can come and attend, uh, we'd appreciate you being there. It's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll uh, I, 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 I want to get out to, and I want to talk to all our members. Uh, I want to speak to to you guys one-on-one and uh, you know, let you know what's going on and what we're doing in the in, in the firearms world. Like I say, uh, you know, we've got an active court case right now. I'm going to touch on that. And uh, like I say, uh, it's going to be a great time. So if if you can come on out, it's in Montreal. Uh, the information's online. If you if you want if you want to if you want to register, uh, hopefully uh, you can attend Sheila, and um, maybe we'll even get you up on uh, the stage and you can talk about some uh, about some freedoms uh, that the Canadians are being deprived of right now. I will do my very best. Now, Rick, how do people get involved in the NFA? Because as uh, as people can see, you are firmly committed to the battle for firearms rights and uh, you won't let anybody sell out the movement. So how do people uh, get involved in the NFA and support the work that you're doing? Because you're doing important work behind the scenes, including legal challenges. Yeah. You know, and uh, you, like, like you say, Sheila, we're dug in deep and we're not giving up. We're giving 110, 110% every day. Uh, you know, with the, with with all this new stuff coming up, uh, we're we're on it right away. What you can do is uh, you can uh, visit us on nfa.ca. Buy a membership. Uh, membership for uh, for uh, an adult is thirty five dollars, uh, thirty for a senior. We also offer insurance uh, that covers you in all your sporting uh, activities. Uh, just, or call us. Call us at the office. Uh, you can do it by email. There's several ways to join. Like I say, visit us on nfa.ca. And uh, and join, become a member. Your money all goes towards the good fight, and the and the fight for freedom, and the fight for uh, the firearms rights in Canada. So please join. And you've got a great merch store. I'm a sucker for a good T-shirt, <laughs> and you guys have yeah, some well, great ones. Well, you know what? You show up with the, at the AGM. Maybe we can hook you up with a couple. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> excellent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Rick, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks so much for the hard work that you do for law-abiding gun owners like myself and my family and my kids and and just normal people out there. This is a very mainstream fight. No matter what the liberals try to paint it as, they try to paint the firearms owning community as fringe. But we're as many of us as play hockey in this country. Um, and thanks so much for sticking up for us. Good luck at your AGM. Maybe I'll see you there, uh, but we'll have you back on the show very, very soon. Thanks, Sheila. Thanks for having me again. And uh, thanks for spreading the good word across Canada. You got it. Well, friends, we've come to the portion of the show where I invite your viewer feedback because without you, there is no Rebel News. If you don't like what we're doing and if you don't want to support it, We just wither on the vine and die because we'll never take a penny from Justin Trudeau, unlike the mainstream media, who so rightly deserve to wither and die. (laughs) But they never will get the market correction that they deserve because they have the government propping them up because they're saying exactly what the government wants them to say. 
All that is to say, here's my email. If you want to send me a comment or a question or a story idea or feedback on one of the interviews that I've done, it's Sheila at rebelnews.com. Put gun show letters in the subject line or do not hesitate to leave a comment on one of the platforms where you're watching us, even if it is on the censorship platform of YouTube, but I, I kind of prefer Rumble. So if I'm looking for comments, I'll go looking on Rumble first. So today's letter comes from Calvin. We don't need to say Calvin's last name, and it's on my gun reporting. Great. Um, interesting <laughs> that this is the letter that I chose for today completely at random. So Calvin writes, hey, Sheila. Thanks for the good coverage of what's going on with challenging the gun laws from Trudeau. It would be nice to hear commentary from some of the applicants as well, not just the CCFR. So this is on um, a show I did a couple weeks ago with Tracy Wilson from the Canadian Coalition for Firearms Rights, and she was updating us on their court challenge of the OIC. So that's the order in council that banned 1,500 popular models of Canadian firearms which has now ballooned to 2,000 models. And Rick was just talking about that. Isn't that interesting? In your last story, it was said that there are six separate applicants total fighting the OIC. I know that the NFA is one of them. Well, you just heard from Rick, didn't you? And other independent groups not associated with the lobby group. It would be nice to hear their perspective too. I have all the time in the world for Rick Igersich. He works very hard. Um, to stick up for people like me because we're too busy doing other things. And I think his organization is so vital, but so are the other organizations. If you care about property rights, get involved with a gun rights organization. They are really ground zero for this kind of thing. I'd still love to see some reporting about the war against raw dairy. You know what? Thank you. Thank you for the reminder I do mean to get around to reporting on the war against raw dairy. It's so ironic that a government that has decriminalized heroin, meth, cocaine, crack are still against you buying raw dairy from whomever wants to sell it to you, not just the dairy cartel. It's wild. <laughs> These absolutely insane government regulations that raw dairy is somehow worse for you than meth. Anyway, thanks for the reminder, Calvin, and thanks for writing in. And um, thanks for caring so deeply about firearms rights in this country. Well, everybody, that's the show for tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see everybody back here in the same time, in the same place next week. And as always, remember, don't let the government tell you that you've had too much to think. <laughs>